Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. A couple things. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I want all the mothers to stand up. All the mothers, please stand up. Let's give a, give a shout out to all the moms out there. Mothers, just love you. Want to just acknowledge you, honor you, affirm you in the work that God is doing in you, through you as mothers. Excited. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for mothers. <laughs> so bless these guys. Thank you so much. We just want to say we love you guys. I know some of you got plans after service to go out and do different things, but I want to encourage you to, we do have some snack or hors d'oeuvres, appetizers after church. If you want to hang out a little bit, we want to just bless you uh, with that. We got some gifts after you walk out and just kind of affirming all that. If you're new with us this morning, man, welcome. We're grateful to have you here for the first time. Um, in front of you, there's a QR cord. If we just want to connect with you, we got a gift for you. Just do that or go to the Welcome Center outside those doors. We have a gift for you. We challenge you, just give us three weeks. If New Vision is not the place for you, man, we'll help you find a church. Our heart is that you find a place that you can grow in and, 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 and know the Lord and fall in love and with Him and fall in love serving others. And so that's really our heart uh, this morning here at New Vision. Um, we're going to continue on in uh, the Gospel of John. So if your Bible, go to John chapter uh, 21. We're in the last chapter of the Gospel. we got a message this week, got a message next week, and we'll be done with the series, series called Believe been a blessing to journey through the gospel of John. I heard uh, Pastor Juan brought the fire last week. So we're, all, we're blessed to have him and Leslie with us as they're journeying with us as God is raising him up to be one of the leaders. And eventually we're going to plant, plant some churches with him and do some stuff. We know we're a multiplying church. Um, we're a church that want to see the kingdom expand. And so he's here for the next 18 months with us, learning, growing under, under leadership to be able to do some more work outside of, of these doors. So we're blessed to have Pastor Juan's wife, Leslie, here going on. John chapter 21, 1 through uh, 14 this morning. My, my sermon title is called Fishy, Fishy Business. Fishy Business, you know. Hey, we, we're, we're a coastal city. Right, and so up along the coast, you see a lot of pelicans. And up in Northern California, I read this article about these pelicans that they normally feast off the fish off the sea, but there was this company that was catching fish, and what they would often do is they would gut the fish, and in gutting the fish, they were throwing the extras into the, into the ocean. Well, sure enough, the pelicans got wind of this and say, hey, there's all these, this food, and so they started flying in, and, and they knew kind of like what time they would be out there, and these pelicans came and began to eat off the scraps of the dead fish. Well, over a period of time, they realized, the company realized that with the scraps, they could make extra money. So they stopped throwing the ocean to be able to do it. But the pelicans kept coming back to get food, realizing that there was no food. Their stomachs weren't full. Something happened that these, these, these pelicans begin to get uh, uh, emancipated, begin to get like, they, they weren't filling their stomach. They begin to get skinny. They begin to get sick. And so people were kind of watching these pelicans up in Northern California. As I read this article, they're like, we don't know what's going on with these pelicans. And so they began to do a study about what was happening. They realized that the pelicans had got so accustomed and domesticated to eating this fish provided, they forgot to learn how to fish for themselves. That they lost their identity as a pelican and began to lose their purpose of how they were to go fishing. The same thing's happening here in John chapter 21. The disciples forgot who they are, forgot their mission as a fishers of men, and now we find them on the Sea of Galilee, the, the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Gennesaret, different names for where the story is taking place here. 
sometimes we have to be careful as people that we don't lose our identity and our call and our purpose and our mission as God's people. And so when you get to chapter 21 of John, what's happening is this is the end of the, end of the kind of the, John's gospel, his biography of Jesus' life. We know that the, really the first 12 chapters is really his story about his ministry and his coming out, his ministry, healing. We saw many miracles take place. And then chapter 12, really to chapter like 20, 19, we see the last week of his life. We journeyed through the, the crucifixion. We journeyed through the promise, the prayer, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we see in chapter 20 what he's, he's journeying through the resurrection. He's appearing. He's making his appearance to women. He's making his appearance to two other appearances to the, to the disciples in a room and now we see he's making his third appearance here to the disciples on a beach to remind him of some things, to call them back. He's going to have a, a miracle happen in the first part of the chapter, and then he's going to have a, a, a special message for Peter. And I find it very interesting that he closes this book, this epilogue, this closing, because you think he should have closed it in the previous chapter, in chapter 20, because he writes the very last verse of chapter 20. He says, what? The reason I write this book is that you might believe. And you think, hey, that's a great ending. Boom, you know, the, the names come up, the cast should be coming, everything should be in, but no, it, it goes into another chapter. And I believe that is because remember previous, what was going on was that Peter had denied Christ three times. The disciples were scattered. They were all running away. And I think John wanted to say, look, I'm gonna tell you about how much I love these guys and how I'm going to restore them back. But guys, in our failures and our imperfections, we just don't make the right call sometimes. God just doesn't tap out on you. He just doesn't give up on you. He says, hey, I want you to understand this reconciliation process. I want you to understand this restoration. So he gives a whole chapter to this process to the disciples in John chapter 21. And that's where we are. I want to read it, John chapter 21, starting at verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. In a way, he sh showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore and yet, the disciples did not know them, that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. And therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, is this the Lord? It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out his outer, put on his outer garments for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea but the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from the, the land, but about 200 cubits dragged the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw the fire coals there and, and fish laid on it and, and bread. And Jesus said, bring of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing that he was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. And this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Father heaven, we just come uh, this morning. And as we look into your word, Lord, speak to our hearts. Father, your Holy Spirit is the teacher. Speak the words to us as we have been journeying through your gospel, uh, the, the gospel of the one who loved Jesus. And so I'm praying uh, this morning, Lord, that you speak. Father, I know you have a word for people here this morning. 
Uh, Father, I pray you encourage them, pray that you edify them, build them up, strengthen them this morning. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're going to look at three things this story. Here's the first thing, fishing without failure. How do we do fishing without failure? Many of you know that I was in New York last week because um, uh, my daughter graduated from college. So we went out there to celebrate it. Man, it was like, woo, all my four kids are done. No more, no more college payments, no more of that stuff. We're empty nesters, they're all out. She's gonna stay in New York out there and, and work and live out there. But we had a great time getting away. But to get to, North, get to New York, there's some travel things you gotta do, right? You gotta get to the airport. You, you gotta get on a plane, which is a, is a nightmare in itself, going through security, waiting in there, getting loaded, trying to find your seats. And, you, and then you travel five hours across the, the country to get to, to New York. But if you get there a little bit early, you, the tires got to let you know when uh, to land. And sometimes if you get there a little early, you, you, you go into a, a holding pattern, right? They, they allow you to kind of circle before you can land in that city. In fact, um, sometimes that holding pattern actually means to a state of, or a period of, of no progress or, or change. I, I think when you get to chapter 21 here, the, the disciples are kind of on a holding pattern, because they're on this beach here and nothing's really moving. Jesus is resurrected. He's making all these appearances, but Jesus promised to meet with them at the Sea of Galilee, but he hasn't appeared yet. And so they're there. They're just waiting. They're not too sure. They're not knowing what's going on. And, and so they're having this, this, this process as these disciples are on the Sea of Galilee. Listen, we're going to see that there's a little impatience on the disciples' part, but what happens is, guys, we are a lot like the disciples right? When we don't see any movement, we get impatient, right? When we're not progressing, we feel like we got to do something. You know, we, when, when, when you ever been in a room and all of a sudden it goes silent when you're in a conversation or things happen, people get very uncomfortable, right? If, there, if, we're, not, if we're not moving forward or, or doing something, because we're people that are busy, we want to run around, we want to do things, we, we feel we're not accomplishing anything. And so we get a little anxious because there is no, no movement, and I think the disciples are here on this beach are kind of being a little impatient because they haven't seen the appearance of Jesus yet. They're not too sure what's next. And we see this in, in this story a little bit as Jesus is going to meet them on the beach. He's going to have a little bay beach breakfast here in a moment uh, with the disciples. But I think as we look about fishing without failures, the first thing, if you want to succeed, you need friendships. You need accountability. You need people in your life. And what, that's exactly what we see here in verses one and two. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias is also the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Gennesaret, different names. It's a big sea. You have a big sea. If you go to Middle East, I've been there. You have a big sea. Sea of Galilee has the Jordan River and then the Dead Sea. And they would often do a lot of ministry in the Sea of Galilee. But where do we find there? We find the, the, the disciples gathering on this sea. Now, I find it uh, very interesting that there are only seven disciples here. There's only seven. He, he lists five and he said he mentions and two others. Uh, and they're coming together as a, a community, right? And these disciples have been on a journey, right? They've been on a journey for three and a half years with Jesus. They had their ups and downs. They had their moments where they had their victories and they had their defeats. Uh, they had their fights even amongst each other, right? They had their, their issues. They came against each other. They're talking about the greatest in the kingdom. And they, so they even had those moments. Jesus even rebuked them. You know, that's kind of how friendships works, doesn't it? You ever got at odds with your friend? But you know what? You're still friends, right? Disagreements, you know, we're not on the same page. And these guys weren't any different, but in order for them to see, they needed that community. They needed to be together. And we see them here. 
And, 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 and Jesus knows that these disciples still need a little bit more work. They still need more progression in their walk. And so he's going to meet them in that. And you know what? I, I love that, that Jesus is going to show up here. I, I just pray every day that Jesus shows up in my life, that his presence shows up in my life, that he, that I pray that he would show up in your lives, that he would be in the show up to strengthen you and to encourage you and to empower you in your service. And maybe there needs to, him to be touching your life to maybe heal some areas or to break some uh, chains of, of things you've been battling with in, in your own life. But he met them right where they were most comfortable, which was by the sea because they were fishermen. And God will meet you right wherever you're most comfortable is. He'll meet you in that place, wherever it might be. But here are these seven disciples there. I don't, I don't know where the other ones are. The first appearance that Jesus makes is in a room. There's only 10 disciples. Thomas is not there. The second appearance, 11 are there. Thomas is there. We looked at that in chapter 20. But now they could make the third appearance and there's only seven there. And I think a lot of it has to do with because those seven are fishermen. So most likely they're at by the bay where they're very comfortable. And he's going to engage them uh, very much so. Uh, some uh, might believe that the other two were Andrew and Philip because they were probably fishermen too when he says there were two other there. But there, here we have them gathered by, by, uh, by, the, by the sea here. And in the midst of this holding pattern, they decide to, to go fishing. And I think here, the, another thought here is that uh, failing without purpose, will, uh, fishing without purpose will lead to failure because they're here and they're gathering and we know earlier that God commands them to be fishers of men, but now they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with their time. Like, where Jesus is not here and what am I supposed to do? Some of you might feel like sometimes you come to church like, oh, I want to be involved, but I don't know where to start or what to do or where to begin. And we have places for you if you want to jump in. But here, what do we find is that these, these men are gathered. So Peter throws an idea, hey, I'm going fishing. You know, like, hey, I, I got some free time. I don't know. I, let's, this is what I do. This is my identity. And so we see there, but it says in verse three, it says, Simon Peter said, to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going to go with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. We know that Peter was kind of one of the heads of the disciples, right? You, you had the 12 and then you had the inner three, which is Peter, James, and John, the brothers there. But Peter had great influence on these men. And so when he said, hey, man, I'm going to go fishing, they're like, hey, we're going to hang out with Peter. Right? He's our friend. We're going to go check him out now. A lot of people have a misunderstanding about this decision. Was it, were they going back because they were fishermen and they needed to make money and they needed to take care of their families? Or, or were they disobedient because God had already given them a mission, a command to be fishers of men, and they walked away from their purpose and their calling and their mission, and because they should not have gone back because God had already said, I'm going to give you a different mission. I'm going to give you a different purpose. But we have to be careful. If God gives us a call or a purpose or a vision or vocation to do something, we, we can't look back. A lot of us, we struggle in our lives and we fail because we, we keep looking back to our past and start looking to the future. Because God's not really concerned about our failures. He's concerned about our future. And so what happens is he's, he doesn't want, man, when Lot looked back, when Lot's wife looked back, she turned to pillars of salt. The problem with the Israelites, after they got out of the bondage and the oppression and, and, and slavery in Egypt, they were, they were moving forward. And then when difficulties came, they said, oh, we had it better in Egypt than we did here, right? They kept looking back. We got to look forward. And, 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 and we have to keep pressing forward. Paul writes that in Philippians. Move forward. Like you, you got to keep your direction moving forward. Guys, we have a lot of junk. We have a lot of baggage. We have a lot of stuff. 
We can't allow that stuff to get in the way of our progression and our movement. Amen, amen. We need to, to keep moving followers. But also because Peter was a leader, he had great influence on the other disciples because of his position and because of who he was, even though you know he had his moments and all that. And so when he said, I'm going to go fishing, the others jumped on boat. They, jumped, they all jumped on with him and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to go with you. And we have to be careful about our own influence that we have with people around us, right? The decisions we make, the things we make, where we're going, right? If, if, if this was a disobedient act and, and they were going to not go this, but he did this, the other disciples, he was a stumbling block to the other disciples. Guys, our influence is important to our children, to our families, to our friends, in our, in our workplace. We all have influence. We are influencing people whether we realize it or not. We can, we can influence for the good or we can influence for the bad, but we're influencing something and somebody by who we are and by touching uh, their lives. And so we have to be reminded of that. Where's my touch? How much influence do I have? And yet we see them in some ways fishing outside their call. God called them something, but they went to go do something else. Guys, some of you guys want to do a lot of things and God's got a gifting for you. And you got to understand what your gifting is and what your call is that God's given you. And then you work within that call. You don't go do something you're not. Listen, I love to teach the Bible, but I ain't a singer. You want me to come up and sing you? I'll make a joyful noise. That is not my call, right? I'm not going to get on the mic and sing for you and serenade you because you'd be going like this. I'd be literally working outside my call. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. This is the gift. But what happens when we work within our call and we work in what God's given us in our purpose, we find great joy. We find great pleasure. We're not concerned about everything because God's created us. If you look at the scriptures, he gave great gifting, artistry, singing, warriors, abilities, because God's gifted you and called you for each of that. And yet they went fishing. Even though they were fishing, that wasn't what they were supposed to be doing. Even though they went on this excursion, they, were, they forgot their commissioning of, of Jesus. You know what? If, if, you, if you don't see your purpose in your vocation, then you're going to miss your purpose and all that. You're going to miss your calling and all that, right? It, it, your labor will be fruitless, your work will be fruitless. If, if, you're, if you feel like your job is just to go to work because I got to get a paycheck in order to pay my rent, you're missing out on a lot of blessings. Because God has placed you in that place for a purpose to be a missionary, to have influence, to, to be a touch in somebody's life, to be an encouragement in somebody's life. And that when you, when you realize that and you see your purpose in that, then you're going to have great joy. Because maybe you're there to encourage somebody. Maybe you're there to support somebody. Maybe you're there to pray for somebody. Maybe you're just there to be a listening ear to somebody. Whatever it is, God's placed you in that place for a purpose. But they went out and start fishing and they labored all night. And it says they caught nothing. They, they caught nothing, right? When we work without a kingdom purpose, we will labor for nothing. So what is the purpose of your job? How can you use it to minister to people? right? I think if you're, you're struggling with that, then you need to ask God, Lord, show me my purpose and where you have for me. Come on, come on. Show my purpose. I had this conversation with my sons and my daughters. Hey, what's your kingdom purpose in going to school and what God's created you for? He's gifted you. He's created you. How are you going to do that for the glory of God? Because you'll find great peace and joy in that. 
Why? Because God wants you to experience great joy in the purpose of your job and the purpose of your service. In fact, Psalm 128.2 says, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. What The Lord doesn't want you to labor in vain. You have a purpose in the fruit of your labor, wherever it is, whatever God's calling you to work in and, and he's calling you out of there, right? Yeah. But the key to, to not fail in our, in our fishing is this, guys. We're, we're, we're fishing on the, the leadership of Jesus. We're fishing under the leadership of Jesus. Look at this, four through six. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And the answer said, no. And he said to them, cast the nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Listen, as God has cast us out and he sent us out wherever we're working and serving we can't lose sight of who the captain is on this ship. We can't lose sight of who the boss is. We can't lose sight of who we're serving and who we're following, right? This was the next day. Can you imagine? This is the next day, right? They, they were on the beach. They went fishing. It says they were fishing all night and caught nothing. So the next morning, they're, 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 they're empty-handed, right? Now, it says that they didn't recognize who was on the shore. They didn't recognize Jesus. Now, maybe there's a lot of reasons he didn't recognize it, man. If you've been on the ocean, it could have been fog out there, right? Because fishermen are out early in the morning, it could be fog. They were, they, were, they were about 100 yards outside the shore, so maybe they couldn't see Jesus, who he was out there. Hey, they've been fishing all night, man. Their eyes are all bloodshot, right? They're tired, they're exhausted. You know what I mean? Like, like if I take off my glasses, you know, sometimes like I have to use this to read because I can't see the, the print on my, my notes here. So maybe they had some, you know, maybe eye things, but they, for whatever reason, they didn't recognize who he was. That's why they said they didn't know. In fact, we have to be careful that, that we don't become blind to Jesus. <laughs> right? The word they didn't know. They, they couldn't perceive or understand who he was. Let me tell you some. You can get so busy doing life that you don't see Jesus. So busy doing. How easy we can lose sight of Jesus in our business in our fruitless labor, in our unsuccessful endeavors. And, and we put a lot of work into, into something and it, it doesn't pan out the, the way it's supposed to. We can, we can lose sight of that. We can lose sight of Jesus. And in fact, sometimes we never even invite Jesus into the things we want to do. We, we plan and we, we, we do all these different things and guess what? And then we, we pray, oh Lord, bless it. You never invited him to do anything in creative things. And all you say, hey, God, can you just tap in a little bit and help me out a little bit? But you never invited him into the plan. You never invited him into what you want to do. You never invited him into that. And all of a sudden, you just want him to be the genie to make us successful. Come on, come on. You never see the disciples praying for the blessings of that night endeavor. Lord, may our hands be successful on this boat that we might. They never did that. They never prayed for that. They never prayed for the day. So they just went out. And we could go out in our own doing in our own flesh. But in the midst of the failures of not catching anything and laboring and working so hard, right? Jesus cared for the disciples. He, he loved the disciples. You see that in verse five, right? Hey, children, have you caught anything? I love that. Like, it'd be like, you know, my dad always comes up to me and I'm going to be 60 this year and, and my dad's 81 and he always says, hey, mijo, how you doing? Right, it's 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 an endearment term. It's a it's a loving term. Yeah, how are you doing? You, you know, like you, these these sailors were big dudes. They're rough dudes. You can see that Peter in a minute. But hey, man, I'm not your child. 
I'm a man, right? But that's not how Jesus approached them. He approached them as, as his children. He approached them as one who loved them, he, who's concerned about them. And he, he's walking them gently and he, he's greeting them. Did you, did you get any food, right? Any comida? Did you get anything, right? I know the evening didn't turn out the way you wanted it to be. I know you, you couldn't get the fish. You know, uh, life can be like that sometimes, right? Yeah. We step out of our call. We step out of our purpose and we go on an excursion, right? And the party ended poorly. The drug left you down. The drinking gave you a DUI. The extra night of pleasure gave you more problems. What was supposed to be stressless became stressful. You know, you know, you, you did all this work and nothing to show for your efforts. Does your life feel like that sometimes? You put all this time in, things in, and just feel like there's no return. There's no ROI in my investment. And some people feel like that. I poured in. I went to school. I did all these things. We're going to a couple, our next sermon series, a couple of months, is going to be book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at that. We're grasping for the wind, putting all this education things, and yet there was no purpose. But I think, what was going on in the story and the experiences, God, Jesus is taking this experience. They're going to learn from it because that's how Jesus teaches. He teaches through life experience. We all learn through life experience and he's doing a life experience here. He wants to say, listen, listen, before you receive anything, you have to acknowledge that you have nothing. <laughs> come on, come on. Before you receive anything, you have to acknowledge that you have nothing. Like before you understand the value of faith, you have to understand that you're bankrupt spiritually, oh, that you need Jesus, yeah. that you need him. And we're apart from him, you need humility. Humility is what gets us into the kingdom, not because we think we're this great thing. And, and so in the midst of their failures, in the midst of their not producing, what he, he, he gives them a directive. We see that in, in, in verse six, cast your nets to the right side, cast your nets over here. And so I find it interesting. They're, they're, I don't know, maybe because I've been to see a gal, you could hear your voice carry and they're a hundred yards out and they're having a conversation with a man that they don't even know who he is. You know, they're having a conversation like they can't identify him. And this guy say, hey man, do you catch any food? No. Uh, okay, cast your nets on the right side. Oh, on that side. No, 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 not that. That side. Right? I can see this going on. He, he's, they're yelling and they're like, and then they're listening to him. Oh, okay. And they just start, they cast the nets over. You know what I mean? How many people like, you know, they're fishermen. They do this for a living. They knew that fishing at night was probably the best time, but this is early in the morning. But they didn't dispute that command and they, and they obeyed them as he gave them specific directions. He was very specific. Why the right side? Because whatever Jesus says, is right. <laughs> Whatever Jesus says is right, right? Jesus knew the best fishing hole in Galilee, <laughs> right? But their experience all night catching, they didn't experience that. Maybe they've been fishing on the left side. I don't know, and they couldn't catch anything. Their success could have been, their success was determined by maybe a span of just the distance of their boat. And we give up so easy, but Jesus said, cast it to the right side. We know when Jesus gives us commands, we can trust his commands because his word is true. We see actually the omniscience of Jesus, that Jesus is, is all-knowing. We see his deity in the story because he's all-knowing. He knows where the fish are at. Come on, come on. That's why he's telling him, you want to be successful, just do what I command. I'm going to tell you where to go. I'm going to lead you to where you need to be. I'm going to tell you to cast this, this out, right? 
See, do what I say and you will reap a catch. Mm. You know what? Maybe your success is not you. I want you to hear this. Maybe your success today is not you, but God working to show himself to you. Because scripture states wealth comes from God, that all good things come from above. Oh yeah, I built this house. I built these things. I, I built, you know, I have this big company, this big business or whatever it is. I had the little taco shop that's mine. I got this Alberto's over here. I started. I got all this. Look what I did. You didn't do anything. God is the one who gives and God is the one who takes away. It's, it's, it's God who does that. Right? What is Jesus being here? Jesus is being Jehovah Jireh right here. God provides to those that had nothing. He provided means and provisions for them. And God will show himself through the small things every day, the small provisions every day, and he'll provide for the tired and the hungry. Here he meets the physical needs with the catch of the day, right? The fresh fish. I'm going to bring out the best at this barbecue. There's barbecue on the beach, right? You ever go to a fish restaurant? What's the catch of the day? What's the fresh fish of the day? He's bringing the fresh, fresh fish for the day. Just cast it to the right right? Listen, success, fishing here, success comes through obedience. Success comes through obedience, right? At his words, they obeyed and found success. In fact, they caught so much fish that they couldn't even lift it up into the boat. It was so heavy that these fishermen, right? Now they're seven. So Peter's going to, they're, they're trying to, they're, they're fish, they're, they're trying, but they're just kind of dragging in here, right? I think what's going on here is that Jesus might be tapping into another occasion in which he performed a miracle with fish. And I don't know if you know the story, right? Because in Luke chapter five, he has a similar story. They're out cleaning their nets early in the morning, Peter and the disciples. They had been fishing all night and caught nothing. And Jesus says, take your nets and cast it out. And they're like, Jesus, man, we've been fishing all night, man. We did the graveyard shift, and you're telling us what, man? I'm a fisherman. No, take your nets, plural, and cast it out. And grudgingly, the disciples did it, but they didn't cast their nets. It says they cast their net, and it filled. What if they would have obeyed all the way, right away, with a happy heart? It wouldn't have just been one net was filled. It would have been many nets would have been filled. So we could even doubt in our obedience. We can we could even doubt in our own disobedience. He 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 can he said cast and he did and and they had all these fish. It was crazy. They got all these fish and that experience. Jesus came and fell at the feet of Jesus and, and he said, oh, "Wretched man that I am." And then Jesus says, "Here's his commission." He says, "Now you will be fishers of men." See, I think what Jesus is doing is he's he's having another experience to say, "Do you remember this experience I had with you already? Do you connect the dots?" Do you see, I want to just remind you again who I am and my call in your life. And sometimes God might have to do that in your life. He might have to repeat the story a couple of times before you get it. He might have to keep the change. He might have to do the narrative over and over again until you get it. I called you to go do this. Why are you going over there when I called you to go over here? And God will keep playing something new and fresh in you, right? And so we, we find that here. Fishing without failure. Here's the second thing this morning. Fishing for those who will listen. Fishing for those who will listen. Okay, we see that in verses 7 through 10. I think listening is a lost art. Uh, many of our problems today is, are, one of our problems we have today is because we don't listen. We don't come to the media minds with our spouses, with our children, 
we, we, you know, I think that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth to teach us how to listen before we speak, right? But a lot of us, we, we, you know, how many times are you guys, people are trying to talk to you, but you're already in your mind trying to figure out how you respond before they even finish? Come on, come on. Like try, try to defend yourself before they even finish because we haven't learned to listen. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of disruption, right? To, maybe that's why people pay a lot of money to go to counsel because they just want somebody to listen to them, Right? I think great communication starts with listening. Paul reminds us that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And in the book of Acts, in the 16th chapter, we know the story about the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas have been imprisoned for their faith. They're in the jailhouse. They're incarcerated for their faith. And look what's going on here in verse 25. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners we're listening to them. So it was the setup. It was a setup for the comeback. It, they were incarcerated. And then we know that they were experiencing God's presence through the worship, through, through the praying. They were watching, they were hearing, they were listening. And then the earthquake came and they, it opens up the prison doors. The Philippian jailer is like, oh, they're going to run. If they, if they get away, I gotta, I'm going to be killed. So he wants to kill himself. Paul says, no, I'm here. He's listening. He's got the Philippian jail's ear. He's, he, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. And his whole family comes to faith just because he was willing to listen. Are, are we willing to listen this morning? Are we, are, you know, like, like, like sometimes we're like trying to run with my words through your own filters and, and like, oh, Pete, that's not, that's, no, that's not true. That, no, no, just listen before you make judgment. Because we haven't been people willing to listen. Where people want to give our opinion, but not willing to listen to everybody else. And so he's here. So, so the first thing we see is that John, the beloved, is beginning to share about the Lord. Look at verse seven. It says, therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out his outer, put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. The disciple whom Jesus loved, we know that's John. John in his writing never refers to himself as John in his writing. He's the one. He's the one that put his head on Jesus' bosom. He's the one that the Lord's summer was always near to Jesus. He's, this is the same John that was at the cross and, and Jesus gives the mother to him to care for him when he, when he goes to the cross. And he's the one that sees Jesus first. He's the one that recognizes Jesus. And he says, it's, it's the Lord, it's God. And then Peter responds to that after John makes that announcement. There was this proclamation of who Jesus was, our job is to proclaim Christ to anyone who's willing to listen. <laughs> okay. Our sharing the gospel is our way of casting the nets. It's for anyone who's willing to listen. You see, those who know Christ should make him known. Those who know Christ should make him it's our, it's our responsibility. It's our mission, our purpose to let people know about the love of Christ. But I love this. When, when, when John began to proclaim it, Peter responded. Right? You find it interesting. When you got on a boat and you go jumping about, you just take your clothes off, right? <laughs> but John put his clothes on, right? Now, he wasn't butt naked. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't there. He probably was working. He was a fisherman. He probably took off his shirt. He took off his tunic. He probably set aside so he could do the fishing work at night. But out of respect for Jesus, he puts his tunic back on, does a swan dive off the boat, right? And starts swimming toward Jesus. I love this because when he, when he preaches that it's the Lord, he does this swan dive. It's sink or swim. Peter was all in, man. By faith, he's all in. He's immersed. He goes, I, I'm all in. He left, he left his other six in the boat behind, right? I, I'm going for it. I think 
Peter was all in a lot of things. When there was a storm happening, right, and Jesus walking on the water, he stepped out to walk toward, he was all in in the midst of that storm. Even though he had his moment of doubt again and he, he sank, but he, he jumped in. The other disciples didn't do it. Here he's jumping in again. He's all in. Ah, man, it's Jesus. I'm all in. Guys, this, this fishing life, this life that we're called to, it's not, a half step. It's not meant to be half-stepped. It's meant to be all in. Right? People say, well, we need a little bit of, of, of religion and a little bit of the word too, because we got to have balance in our life. Balance. Right? God didn't call us to, this is, a, this is not the scale of faith. We're all in. This is the scale of faith. We're all in. Right? It's all Jesus. We just know that. Now, well, that's pretty fanatical, Pastor P. That's pretty crazy. You're nationalist, fundamentalist. No, 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 any of that. That's, that's the world's view of us sometimes. But the, but the reality of all that is that we get pretty fanatical about a lot of things. Like, come on now. Uh, you Warriors fans just lost last night to the Lakers. Lakers are all in, so now they're all, you know, yellow and purple and look like a big bruise. Um, but, um, but listen, we all, we all, like, when we're all into something, we're not ashamed of it. Like, when we're for our team, we're not ashamed for it. You're not ashamed of it. Peter wasn't ashamed of the gospel for his power. He was, Peter wasn't ashamed of it. He was all in. He jumped in. He was soaked in. He was all in. He jumped. I could care less about you guys. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to go be with Jesus. Amen. You have to be able to fish for those who have an ear that are ripe to listen. Peter's ear was ripe and he went into that. And we have to share with those, as you were fishing, sharing with those who are seeking to be satisfied. Look at eight and nine. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they came to land, they saw fire of coals there and the fish laid in it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. I think uh, the disciples' excursion was a learning experience for them. <laughs> They're still learning. God's still teaching them. Guys, all of you are on a journey and God's still teaching you. Hallelujah. Right? You're being renewed day by day. He's showing you something new every day. It's okay. You're learning. You're growing, right? Um, he jumped, Peter jumped in the boat. He left to work for the other guys. <laughs> Let's drag the nets on shore. So they're, 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 they're coming to shore and they're dragging this net, right? They're, and I, I think they're physically dragging, physically, because they've been up all night and I got to drag this whole load in and they're probably tired, right? They're drawing this net because they're probably hungry. They haven't eaten all night. They haven't caught any fish all night, right? Uh, in their own efforts, they couldn't produce anything. They were tired and hungry in the morning. You know, let me tell you something. Uh, sometimes it's faith. Walk can be laborious. It can be hard. Uh, and if we have a wrong view of the gospel, it becomes a gospel of self-effort. It's a gospel of self-effort. And I see this in the church, all of this legalism, self-effort, gospel. What do I mean by that? Say, say you want to change something in your life. Say you're struggling with cigarettes. I don't want to smoke anymore, right? So what do you do? There's a cycle of self-effort we begin uh, to do, right? Because in our, in our mind, this is what the world says. The world says, God helps those who help themselves. That's not biblical. That's unbiblical. Okay, that's not biblical. That's man's view of what we think God is. No, God helps those who come to him because we need his help, <laughs> right? We, we submit to him, right? But we live in a self-help culture. It is self-effort is the answer. We don't need the cross of Christ if self-effort is the answer, right? If we are good by nature, why is the world so bad? Okay, 
So we try to make ourselves better or good or more holier. So we think we got to read more and we got to pray more because we think we're going to get favor from God and we're going to be blessed by God. And we're going to, you're already loved by God. You don't have to earn his love. He already loves you. By faith, he's already received you. You're already his child. Walk in that. Don't walk in the condemnation because it says there's now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We walk in victory already. We don't walk in toward victory. We walk in victory. We already have that, that identity, right? But some of us have walked in this cycle of self-care. Wait a minute, okay, go back. Go back to, say you want to stop smoking. I want to stop smoking. So, so what do you do? You have some resolve, right? You determine, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop now. And for the next few weeks, you probably have some success. Hey, I'm not smoking. I'm grinding my teeth. I'm chewing some gum. And, right? You're enduring it, Right? Then there's that one day, man, you're hanging out with your friends at work and they're going outside, got some coffee and a cigarette and you're like, ah. And then there's failure, right? Oh, snap. Yeah, failure, mom. Okay, I'm gonna try harder this week. I'm gonna try harder. I gotta try harder, right? Because I gotta do better, right? And then you try harder for a while. But your friends go out again for the cigarettes, right? And they want to got a little panduce with their coffee and, and all that stuff, right? And then you do it again. And now you're like, a oh, little hardness of heart, little discouragement, right? Because it's, it's failure. You failed. And then when there's failure, there's guilt. And then when there's guilt, there's shame and fear. And you just get beat, you beat yourself up. That's, what we, that's the cycle of self-effort. Come on, come on. That's, that's what we get ourselves into, right? Shame, it, it immobilizes us. It's like, why even try? Why? And that's how people have seen God in church and religion. And they say like, I tried Jesus, man. It doesn't work because we walked in self-effort, not in the power of the spirit. Come on, come on. And, and, and we're seeing that here, right? So when you don't say, I'm trying to quit smoking, you just say, I'm not a smoker. Do you see the difference? There's a difference because I know my identity now. The Bible says you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I walk in that new identity and we've lost our identity. We lost those things. And God says, no, you're my child, man. Walk in that. Don't walk in self-effort. I will give you what you need. When they were laboring outside of their call, outside of their purpose, outside of what they're doing, they didn't achieve anything. They didn't win anything. They couldn't get the fish because they're working in their own effort. And guys, all you're going to do is grit and grind and be frustrated in your walk with God. That is not our call. And I hope you capture that this morning, right? Where did the disciples get their success? By trusting God and obeying him, right? For the love of God, here it is, for the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. But what he's saying, our love drives it, right? Our love drives it. The commands aren't to be heaviness on our back. They're actually there to help us, to keep us safe, right? I love my kids, but I put boundaries on them, the commands in my house, because if they don't, if you leave kids to themselves, they're going to get chaotic. You do it because you love them. You love them, not because you're trying to put heaviness on them. And it's there to protect us. In fact, the very thing that the disciples needed and wanted was already on the shore. They wanted food. They wanted fish. So when they come to the shore, there's food and fish already ready. Everything that we want, Jesus already has for us. Everything we need, Jesus already has for us. We just got to come meet with him. 
We got to come dine with him, right? And so when they show up on the shore for the fish, God's ready to meet them. But I love this. It says that they were, there was coals of fire with fish and cooking. Another, I think another story here. What is that, guys? I think it's reminding Peter who only a few days earlier, maybe a couple of weeks earlier, he was by the coals of fire and they denied him three times. The coals of fire. And he's saying, Peter, it's going to be okay. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to get his conversation next week. We're going to have a conversation about restoring you. That I don't want you to hold on to your shame. I don't want you to hold on to your guilt. I don't want to hold on to your failures. I'm going to reestablish you here. This is why we're having this men's breakfast meeting this morning. We'll get to that part two. That's next week. Okay. He's just, I think Peter's being reminded of that. Now just bring some of that fresh catch for the, you got, bring, what you got, bring over here. We're going to, you know, with God, it's more than enough. I'm going to provide, but with yours, we're going to have enough. We're going to have a party, right? And so lastly, this morning as we're coming to a close, like we're, we're fishing for fellowship. We're fishing for fellowship. We need community. We need each other. You had the 12 here. There's two friends named Jack and George. They love to go fishing and went out fishing one day and they, they got caught up in a storm. And in the storm, Jack got thrown over the boat and he drowned. And so they're trying to search for Jack and he realized that he had died. He had drowned. So they go tell Jack's sister. And so he shows up to Jack's sister and he says, I got some bad news. I saw good news and I got some better news. She goes, well, what's the bad news? Well, you know, your brother and I were fishing and he drowned with fishing. Wow. Well, what's the good news? Well, when we found him, we pulled him up and there was a whole bunch of lobsters attached to him. And then they said, then she goes, well, what's the good, what's the better news? Oh, he's coming. We're picking him back up again at four o'clock. No. I know, I know, I know. You can, you can email me later. Um, listen, 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 listen. The bad news is that Jesus died. The good news is that he rose again. The better news is we get to have the good news to tell others about the hope of who Jesus is. That's, that's. That's the better news of, of what we had, that they can be a part of a community. They can be part of a fellowship. But that fellowship first starts with Christ's presence was the empowering force for Peter. Look at this, verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Uh, I hope you catch this. They couldn't bring the net up on the boat, but now Jesus gives them a word. Peter, go get the net. 153 fishes. It says that Peter got, got the net. Peter picked up 103 fishes and brought it in. He's the Samson of the New Testament right here. Okay? He, it, it says they couldn't do it, but when God says, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you a directive, and I'm going to give you power to do what I commanded you to do. See, see, now Peter was able to lift up these fishes and bring it. Now, 153 fish is very interesting. I read commentaries. Why, why 153? That's very specific. Some believe there were 153 different types of fish in the Sea of Galilee. Now, I don't know if the disciples counted them. I don't know how they got that number. It doesn't say, but there was 153 fish. I find it, uh, I believe that this catch is very symbolic. It's a representation of the future church that he's going to capture souls from a diverse backgrounds to create a new fellowship to bring the increase. Because it's only a matter of weeks before the Spirit comes upon Peter and he preaches the gospel and 3,000 souls 
come into the fellowship, come into the kingdom because the empowerment of the word of God through Peter and the Holy Spirit. And it says, when Peter grabbed it, the nets didn't break, right? I want you to see the nets. We are the, we're the 150, we're 153 in some sense. We are the, the church that it is. And the nets didn't break. And that's symbolic of our security in Christ. We're not lost, right? Noah was, went out and the flood came and then they went into Noah and it says, God shut the ark, right? He secured the ark. God has secured us in our faith. Guys, it's not in and out. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. We're covered by the blood, right? We will not be lost in Christ. I just want you to hold on to that because the enemy will bring another lie to you with that. And then what does he do? Christ gives an invitation to dine with him, right? The fellowship with him. Look at 12 and 13. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. The invitation to come. John chapter one, start with come and see. Come and learn. Now come and dine. He's come and have fellowship with me. My fellowship is crucial to our growth, right? Jesus is morning, he's, he's building a men's fellowship gathering right here. It's a men's breakfast like we have sometimes here. He's having a men's breakfast on the, the beach because I think Jesus knew that these disciples needed some more persuasion in their faith. And so he has a seaside rendezvous with them, right? And we know that guys, Peter, James and John, Thomas, the seven, you have a place at the table with me. I love that. You have a place at the table with me, right? I think of, of um, King David and Jonathan, his best friend. Jonathan died. He had a son named Mephibosheth in the Old Testament who was handicapped. He couldn't walk. And when David became king, he says, the way I can honor my best friend is make sure his son sits at the king's table. Like we were all disabled by faith, by sin, and God made sure he made a way for us to sit at the king's table. That's what he did for us. But more than that, it's also symbolic, I believe, in some ways of the communion. We have communion here weekly to remember that God has a place by faith for those to come and dine at the table. Eventually, we'll dine at the great supper of the Lamb in heaven with God. We will be able to have a, a place at the table, a seat with God. It's just a reminder of that. The known Peter, James, and John, and even the unknown who we don't know out of Hebrews chapter 11, their unknown servants will have a seat at the table. God has reserved a seat for us in the kingdom. And we see Jesus' own hospitality as he gives them bread, as he gives them some food and fish, right? The Lamb of God, the God serving the disciples. And we close with this. Christ's presence is what they memorialize in their hearts. It says in the last verse, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Three times is charmed. Two times when they were in a room. This one when they're at the beach. It was a beachside memory. And this memory will sustain their faith. What's that moment in your life that God has to put in you to sustain your faith? Abraham had the promise of a son. Moses had a burning bush experience. Joshua had memorial stones. David had his Goliath moment. And the disciples had their beach barbecue by the Sea of Galilee. Saul had his Damascus robe moment. What is your moment that you can remember Jesus' presence in your life? That that's going to sustain you. Because eventually they preached that in Acts chapter 10. 
Peter does. I remember this moment on the beach with Jesus. We ate with them. I remember when we did this. And guys, you have your own stories. I remember when Jesus did this. I met Jesus here. This is what it was. It was my moment up in a mountain in 1982. That was my moment. I remember it. That was my moment. What is your moment? So as we close this morning, here's a couple of thoughts about fishy business, guys, this morning. Ministry and our own strength will fail. Serving our own strength will fail. We need his presence and power. Here's another thing, guys. Ministers, we need to minister to those who are willing to listen, right? The soil is ripe out there. Who are the people who just care and love? Hey, people, you don't get in arguments. You just minister them. They listen, you serve them. It's not about fighting. It's not about arguing. It's not about being right. It's just loving and serving. Lastly, invite people to come and fellowship with us and Jesus. This is a community to fellowship. This is a place we come to grow and grow together. Amen. Well, let's pray. As the worship team comes, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. And we know that you're a gracious God. And Father, you've called us to a ministry to serve, to be fishers of men, to proclaim your goodness of what we know to be true. And Father, you've empowered us to do that, that we don't want to labor in vain, but we want to be fruitful in the work, to be successful in the things you've done in our lives, the giftings you've given us, that the giftings you've given us to serve wherever we may serve in our vocations and our business would be one that's honored and led by you, that we can be a blessing to others because that's what you're called us to do. And Father, we need your power. We need your strength. And that, Father, it's in community that we do that. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.